Welcome to the Vita Voices Power to Empower podcast series, where we're speaking with women leaders from around the world about their bold ideas, their courageous leadership, and their thoughts on the way forward. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Elise Nelson. Our guest today knows that representation is power and has been fighting since middle school to show the world that people with disabilities are not defined by their challenges, but rather by what they can achieve. At age 10, young activist Melissa Shang started a viral petition directed at American Girl to produce a disabled doll that was featured in BuzzFeed, CBS, Oprah Magazine, and garnered over 150,000 signatures. She has also spoken about disability representation at the United Nations, TEDx, and outlets like Teen Vogue. Additionally, Melissa and her sister co-authored Mina Lee, is wheeling through middle school, a book exploring the life of a girl with disabilities. And with thousands of copies sold to families around the world, the book has been deemed the beginning of a more representative future for young adult literature. This International Youth Day, we're celebrating young leaders like Melissa who truly use their power to empower and are changing the world for the better. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so honored to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I don't even know where to begin. I'm so in awe, honestly, Melissa, of how much you've accomplished and kind of where that courage to sort of step out, speak out came at such a young age. So can you can you tell us a little bit more about your journey and really what what led you to to the leader you are today, breaking barriers all over the place? Yeah, so um, I was born with Shokomoritu disease, which is a form of muscular dystrophy, which means that I use leg braces and a motorized wheelchair. Growing up as a girl with a disability, I've always felt like I was put into a world that wasn't built to accommodate me. When my family visited the Grand Canyon, for example, my sister had to carry me miles up hills and cliffs, all because it simply wasn't accessible. Strangers Mm. often come up to me on the streets to ask me, what's wrong with you? As if they have a right to know. When people look at me, they see my wheelchair and immediately assume that I must be pitiful or deficient or unsuccessful, all before they see me as a person. That's why at the age of 10 years old, I decided to be an activist to fight for the rights of people with disabilities. I've never looked back. That's so incredible at 10 years old that you just knew like this is wrong and I'm going to step up and fight for for everyone. Um, so so you and your sister, as I mentioned, co-authored um, a children's book with, with such an incredible message. Can you share the what it was like to to kind of put those plans into place and um, and, and also, do you have any, any further books you're thinking about for the future? Um, well, when my sister and I first decided to publish a book, it was because I sought representation for disabled people like me. As a child, I was an avid reader, and every weekend, I would go to the library and immerse myself in the worlds of princesses and fairy tales. Still, out of all the books that I read, I never read a story starring a girl with a disability. They're always a side character, or they're depicted in a way that suggests that being disabled is a fate worse than death even. Wow. So many people don't know about disabilities or don't see themselves 
represented. Oh, so in order like to have a disability because they've never met someone with a disability and they don't see them represented in books or movies. And when people with disabilities don't get to see themselves represented, it's easier than ever to feel alone. Mm. I wanted to change that and show people that you can be disabled and still live a really awesome life, which is why I decided to publish a middle school novel about a girl called Mia Lee and her journey through middle school from making new friends to dealing with the middle school bully. Mm. In 2016, I started a Kickstarter campaign which ended up raising over $6,000 and garnering more support than I could ever imagine. The resulting book, Mia Lee's Willing Through Middle School, was published in August of 2016 and launched in DC at the National Youth Transition Center. I would love to author more books someday, but as of now, I'm just trying not to freak out as I transition to college. <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, I think you are. I think a great example of what we're really seeing with, with your generation, Generation Z, just this desire to make the world a better place, to take on some of the greatest challenges. And what I see more and more, I think, fr from your generation and certainly from young women more broadly is really sort of having that personal experience understanding your driving force or your sort of mission, your, your mission for life and really starting off early, not waiting for that invitation to lead change, but, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Can you talk about that moment where you realized I have an opportunity and responsibility to, to lead change? That's a good question. Um, I think that, um, as you said, um, young people these days often um, the next generation of change. And I think that that's because um, we are more educated than past generations on social justice issues, such as racism, sexism, ableism, and more, both because we live in the digital age and because we as a society um, are more open to discussion than ever. Um, I can't tell you how many insightful discussions I've had about injustice, even with my friends who don't consider themselves activists. We can really mm. teach each other a lot. We as young people, I think, also um, believe that to create a more inclusive world, we need to be a part of the change and we are up with the challenge. For me personally, um, I started becoming a disability activist after growing up with a disability and facing so many of the issues that I mentioned. Um, and so my first endeavor as a disability activist was when I decided to start a petition for my favorite doll company, American Girl, to release a doll with a disability. And from then on, I um, decided that that was just my journey. Mm. And was that uh, petition successful? Um, <laughs> So, you know, in 2013, when my sister and I first petitioned American Girl for a doll with a disability, I only had one goal, which was to champion disability representation in my favorite doll company. Like many of my friends, I started collecting American Girl dolls when I was just seven years old. I'd read all the books and seen all the movies. What I loved most about American Girl dolls were the stories that they came with. Every year, American Girl released a new doll facing one of its challenges and conquering them. 
to be with them. I learned what it was like to be so many things that I'd never personally experienced, such as being a baker, a gymnast, or an ice skater. However, in 2014, when the newest American girl was yet another blonde dancer, I'd had it. <laughs> I got curious without ever seeing myself in toys or the media, and I wanted to change that. Initially, my sister decided to aim for two other signatures, but I thought she was crazy. There's no way we could ever get that money, I thought. What I never could have guessed was that my petition would gain over 144,000 signatures and coverage in major news outlets like People and Open Magazine, but it miraculously did. What really struck me most, though, were the comments that I received from so many people saying that their friend, their neighbor, their daughter, their son had a disability, and that I taught them what it was like to be disabled. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I wasn't alone. Beautiful. That's beautiful. And I, I, uh, I know the dolls well. My, my daughter is, a, is, is certainly a huge fan. Um, so coming out of, of, or not even coming out of, right, as we, as we continue to, do, to deal with the, the variants of, of COVID-19, how has this past 18 months, 19 months impacted your life? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think that um, as a disabled person, the pandemic has been more exhausting for us than anyone has imagined. Um, when the pandemic first started, many of my classmates whined about attending school online and not being able to see their friends. Only old and at-risk people are affected anyway, they said. <clears throat> my condition weakens my lungs, which puts me at higher risk of having a severe case of COVID-19, and their words made me feel like my life didn't matter to them. Mm. Around the world, the same sentiment was spreading. Um, a shortage of hospital beds and medical supplies caused many doctors to start rationing care, and the vulnerable populations were devalued in the preference of saving young, non-disabled people. So not only did people with disabilities like me now worry about potentially dying of COVID, we were also terrified that hospitals would deny us care, deeming our lives less worth living. Even in the past few months, while most of the world has started to return to normal, students with disabilities like me have felt increasingly alone, still worried about contracting the virus, struggling with watching our community die, and being deprioritized in the vaccine distribution process. So while disabled people have always known that our lives are often not seen as as important to the world, the pandemic has really emphasized that and it's been very hard. Wow. And as you think about the value, the perspective that those with disabilities bring to the world, and certainly some of the other leaders we've had on this podcast, including Sarah Mankara, who's a, is a, a wonderful activist as well. How, how can we, how can someone like myself or anyone listening, how can we be better allies? That's a great question. Um, I think that the first thing I would say is to make an effort to understand and promote disability rights. For example, if we see a building that is inaccessible, insist that the staff make it accessible. Call legislators about issues that the disability community faces, such as medical care rationing and policies that would benefit us, such as the SSI Restoration Act of 2021. If a friend or a neighbor says something ableist, correct them instead of just brushing it off. Disabled people often feel as though we are the only people fighting for our rights, 
So to have people outside of the community helping us amplify our voices is really important. I would also say to support creators with disabilities such as Annie Eleni, Imani Barbarin, and Alice Wong. The issues that they talk about are really important and can teach you a lot about disability justice and in turn, you would be helping us get our message out. Finally, I would say to reach out to your disabled friends and see what they need. Every disability is different, so every disabled person struggles different. And living with a disability tends to be really isolating. It's simple. I see what you're going through and how hard things are for you right now. How can I help? Can really make a difference. You've been, of course, part of the Vital Voices community for a number of years, and we are honored to have you grace the new forthcoming Vital Voices Global Headquarters for Women's Leadership. Your beautiful portrait, created by Steffi Wong, um, uh, is is outside the the building uh, for people to see up and down 16th Street in our nation's capital in Washington D.C., just a few blocks from the White House. Uh, we were so thrilled to have you as part of a group of Asian women leaders. Um, why is this community important to you? Um, obviously, you know, there are lots of different kinds of communities, but Vital Voices is a network, is a community of women who are committed to and are taking on the world's greatest challenges. Why is it so important for someone like you to be part of a, a community like this? Um, I think that as part of the next generation of youth activists, um, something that I've really seen is how passionate we are about making change in the world. Um, I think that we are more optimistic in past generations. And while adults often tell us that equity is impossible and that the world will never change, we reject that notion because we think that the world can always change for the better. We are creative and resilient in the ways that we make change. For example, some of us start social media campaigns some of us write articles for media outlets. Some of us focus on community advocacy and lobbying. And so through Vital Voices and by joining a community of female youth um, like me who are doing incredible work, it really just makes me feel so empowered. And it makes me feel, um, it makes me feel like, you know, as part of the next generation, we can really be making the world better. And so I continue to be inspired by my fellow youth activists I've heard a voices and honored that I've heard of it. Mm. Well, as part of this series, I often ask people one closing question, and that's what is your power? How do you use it to empower others? Honestly, I think that my power is being a disability activist. My disability has taught me so much about how ableism is still in good in society, but it's also taught me that I can be a part of the change. By speaking out about disability justice, I like to think that I'm contributing to a world where a child with a disability can watch a movie and see themselves as the main character, go to school and have access to the same education, and truly be just like anyone else. Um, the very world that I was I had had as a kid. Activism has also led me to the disability community, which is a community of people who, just like me, fight tirelessly against the world that isn't made for us. They've taught me that in a society where people tell me that my disability is a weakness, my greatest act of rebellion would be to see it as a strength. From being an activist, I have been able to do things that I never would have dreamed of, from speaking at the United Nations to writing a book and met so many amazing disabled people. 
activism has taught me that disabled people are unstoppable and i want to use that to empower the next generation of disabled youth mm, mm. thank you you're such an inspiration and you know i think i think honestly all of us are are on our learning journey to to really understand um ableism and earlier in our conversation i even said step up right which really i should not say that because you know what i'm thinking in my head is not physically stepping i'm thinking in sort of like emotionally sort of viscerally like getting out there right and, and leading but can you explain why it's really important that we not use that kind of language and um, and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I feel like it's important for me to recognize that, you know, I still have a ways, a ways to go in, in making sure that the language I use is as inclusive as possible. And I, I think all of us do. Right. That's a good question. Um, I think that, you know, as a society, because ableism is so commonly ingrained in our society, um, we tend to use language that is unintentionally ableist, such as, for example, the only disability is a bad attitude, or, you know, did I stutter? Um, and these, these phrases, these sentiments, while they seem harmless, um, can be very harmful in perpetuating the culture of ableism society, because um, they signify that, you know, disability is a bad thing, or that disability is something that should be a taboo subject. And I think that that's just the opposite of what disabled people like me are fighting for. Mm. Thank you so much, Melissa. You're such an inspiration. And I'm so glad you were able to join us. You are a, a force. And um, it was it was wonderful to have you as part of part of this program and to to uh, join us on International Youth Day. You are certainly um, one of those leaders who I know is just getting started, but already had an extraordinary impact. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so great to be here. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Vital Voices podcast. If you'd like to support our work with women leaders who use their power to empower others, you can donate to Vital Voices on our website at vitalvoices.org, or you can text VITAL to 41. Four, four, four. That's vital to 41444. See you next week.